looking to uh, serve the Lord overseas. She is teaching the next four Sundays at, um, I think it's called Octogen. It's the class that Becky Kaiser normally teaches, but Becky had a baby this week, and so um, she just asked for us to pray, and I forgot to tell that to Vicki when she was praying, so let's just take a moment and pray for Amy as she teaches, even as we speak. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for today. And um, Lord, we just lift up Amy to you. Lord, I pray for um, wisdom and clarity for her. I pray you give her the words that you would have her to speak. I pray for a ten of hearts, Lord. I pray for peace for Amy. Lord, she's stepping out of her comfort zone and, and um, normally doesn't do something like this. And so we just ask that you would reveal yourself to her and um, be her comfort in, in all of that. We thank you for today. We thank you for what you're going to do in our lives. Um, we thank you for Pastor and um, just... Uh, him being back, and what a blessing that is. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Well, good morning. Um, uh, you know, sometimes I'm really excited about lessons, and sometimes I'm not quite as excited about lessons, because, you know, when you teach a lesson, you've got to learn, you know, so if you're talking about pitfalls to perseverance, what that probably means is that you need to persevere, and, um, and perseverance is, you know, it's long, and it's tedious, and you don't want to do it, and if it, it wouldn't be perseverance. If it wasn't, <laughs> it would just be life. It wasn't, I mean, the very thing of, you know, it's like submission is when you disagree. It's not when you agree. That's agreement. And perseverance by its very definition. So, but uh, last week we talked about um, how God's plan is for redeeming the world. And, um, and, and I, as I shared, and, and um, next Sunday will be the first Sunday we'll do that. I'm going to have some people come in from the different ministries in the area and in the church and just share about how you can volunteer, get plugged in, and because our gift, our responsibility is to turn around and serve others, and um, it's got a cause. So just a reminder for that. Um, but to get started, I thought I would um, share some, I'm going to share some stories about perseverance as well as some quotes that I thought were interesting. In 1962, four nervous young musicians played their first record audition for the executives of the Deco Recording Company. Of course, we never heard of Deco now, right? But you'll hear the rest of the story. The executives were not impressed. While turning down this group of musicians, one executive said, we don't like their sound. Groups of guitars are on their way out. The group was the Beatles. And in 1954, Jimmy Denny, manager of the Grand Ole Opry, it did survive this, but fired a singer after one performance. One performance. He told him, you ain't going nowhere, son. You ought to go back to driving a truck. The singer was Elvis Presley. When Alexander Graham Bell, I love this. Um, no, it's the next one I love better. But when Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone in 1876, it did not ring off the hook with calls from potential backers. After making a demonstration call, President Rutherford Hayes said, that's an amazing invention, but who would ever want to use one of those? And I just thought such a different concept of communication and just even in today, things that are, you know. The cell phone. The cell phone, <laughs> I know, you know, and just how we do, how what seems, you know, who, I mean, okay, who said it? We're all of the age that probably one of us said, oh, I'm never going to text. That, why do they text so much? I mean, you know, oh, I'm never going to use instant message, you know? And it's like, you know, now it's sometimes of our part, for some of us our daily existence. And especially if we manage people, then they're in that same mentality anyways. This is the one I liked. I mean, talk about being an optimist. When Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, he tried over 2,000 experiments before he got it to work. A young reporter asked him how it felt to fail so many times. He said, I never failed once. I invented the light bulb. It just happened to be a 2,000-step process. 
And I just, great. I mean, great, great. After, you know, I never failed. I just, you know, you know, we've said it in here before, Formula 409. Do you know why it's called Formula 409? Because it was the 409th formula that they put together to do what they wanted to do. So they failed 408 times. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, really. I mean, if I fail once, twice, I mean, if I, get, if I do something five times, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I've, you know, I've done my due diligence here. And that's not the case at all. Uh, in, 19, in, the in the 1940s, another young inventor named Charles Chester Carlson told, took his idea to 20 corporations, including some of the biggest in the country. They all turned him down. In 1947, after seven long years of rejection, I mean, I've, done, I've never done anything for seven years. I mean, except breathe, I think. It's about the only thing I've done. He finally got a tiny company in, Ro in Rochester, New York, to purchase the rights to his invention and process. That company is now called Xerox. She was the 20th of 22 children. She was born prematurely, and her survival was doubtful. When she was four years old, she contact, contracted double pneumonia and scarlet fever, which left her with a paralyzed left leg. At age nine, she removed the metal leg brace she had been dependent on and began to walk without it. By 13, she had developed a rhythmic walk, which doctors said was a miracle. That same year, she decided to become a runner. She entered a race and came in last. For the next few years, every race she entered, she came in last. Everyone told her to quit, but she kept on running. One day, she eventually won a race, and then another. From then on, she won every race she entered. Eventually, this little girl, who was told she could never walk, went on to win three Olympic gold medals. Her name was Wilma Rudolph. Okay, we have to be really old to remember Wilma Rudolph, but she was an amazing track star, even not knowing that backstory. Character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experiences of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, vision cleared, ambition inspired, and success achieved. You gain strength, experience, and confidence by every experience where you really stop to look fear in the face and do the thing you cannot do. And remember, the finest steel gets set, gets sent through the hottest furnace. A winner is, one, is not one who never fails, but one who never quits. Newt Gingrich said, perseverance is the hard work you do after you get tired of doing the hard work. It's not that it's so smart, it's just that I stay with problems longer. Albert Einstein. And then Charles Spurgeon, he said, um, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. And so we have to persevere. Then we have to persevere. There's a um, Proverbs 17.3. It's not one of your favorite verses that people like to memorize. But it's one that's in here that's true. It's not in your notes. The crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold, and the Lord tests the heart. So in the same way that silver is refined and gold is refined by going through a very, very hot process, the Lord tests the heart in the same way and puts us through challenging things. And I always, I've always said, you know, I wish that, you know, I wish it didn't have to be that way. You know, I wish he could test our hearts by easy things. But it just doesn't work. It doesn't work for me, and it doesn't work for most other people. Um, we'll go to Psalm 119 in a little bit, but before then, flip over to 2 Peter, all the way in the back, right before Revelation. 2 Peter, right after 1 Peter, 1, verse 5 through 7.
mine uses the word steadfastness, but it's also translated as perseverance. But this is what it says. For this very reason, actually back up to three, because his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. And we've talked about that in here. Everything we need for life and godliness is available to us through the word of God. Verse 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason. What very reason? Because we have everything we, have everything we need for life and godliness, and we've been saved from the corruption of the world because of our own sinful desire. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and with virtue, knowledge, and with knowledge, self-control, and with self-control, perseverance, and perseverance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Perseverance is doing the right thing for a long time despite the challenges. Doing the right thing for a long time despite the challenges. And I think that it's interesting, you know, the word order is intentional on the Lord, you know, and um, I think it builds from it. Virtue, you had, with your faith, you had virtue. With virtue, you had knowledge. With knowledge, you had um, self-control. And then with self-control, you really do persevere. If you don't have self-control, you're not going to persevere. But then if we persevere, then we're going to have godliness and brotherly affection and love. And that really is the course it has to take. And as you guys know, I've the Lord's really been working on me about persevering um, in love with those that are around me and those that I love. So, with that in mind, let's turn to Psalm 119. We're on verses 81 through 88. And I figured up, uh, just looking at the lessons and what my schedule is and when I'm in in town and, and out of town, this will take us all the way to Christmas. We'll finish. So that's, I mean, I always like things to end on. I like series to end just appropriately. And so um, the Lord's good to me. And so this is going to end right on time. And so we'll start something new in January. But let's begin with Psalm 119, 81 through 88. My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. My eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in the smoke. Yet I have not forgotten your statutes. How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? The insolent have dug pits for me. They, have not, they do not live according to your law. All your commandments are sure. They persecute me with falsehood. Help me. They have almost made an end of me on earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. In your steadfast love, give me life, that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The Psalms are wonderful because they are full of every single emotion you can have. It's not just all pretty and flowery and everything's great and, you know, kumbaya. I mean, he is crying out to the Lord saying, I am, I am in trouble. People are insulting me. They're persecuting me. I mean, falsely, they're, they're charging me with things. I mean, I need your help. And it's not coming. It's not coming. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. For each one of our points, I've got some questions. And um, I know I'm jumping around a lot. You guys don't need to go there. But Jeremiah 2.13 is, uh, is an amazing um, verse. Um, verse 13 says, For my people, Jeremiah 2.13, For my people have committed two evils. Number one, they've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewn out cisterns for themselves, 
broken cisterns that can hold no water. So here's what's happened, is that they have, um, they've turned from God, and they've created their own idols. They've created their own um, drugs of choice, for lack of better words. They've created their own um, false gods. They've created their own um, self-assurance, and that takes a lot of different forms that, you know, emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And the Lord says, look, I mean, not only did they forsake me, but then they've put up false idols, and these idols can't even hold water. They're broken. And we try and make them work, but they do not work. And as we go through these four points about where do we turn for hope and for comfort and for help, where we turn, those will reveal our broken cisterns and, um, and where we need to make some changes and break those cisterns and turn to God on those. So, number one, I think one of the very first pitfalls to perseverance is discouragement. We just get discouraged. Verse 81 says, my soul longs for your salvation. I mean, the very expression of that is I'm discouraged. I mean, it's just gone on forever and ever and ever and ever. Um, and whom do you look for for hope? I hope in your word, is what David said. And that's whom we look for. Who do you look for for hope? Is it in your salvation and in the assurance of that? And of who God is in the midst of that salvation. That he loves us and he cares about us and he's concerned about us. And he wants to take care of us. And that he's good and that he's sovereign. When Pastor talked about Christian thinking. He good, he's good and he's sovereign. And so when those challenging things come along, when it, we're just, I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, does anybody get like that? I mean, I just want to quit. Why don't, I mean, Jesus just come back, you know? And um, no, he wants us to persevere. Because why? Because he wants to build in us. Virtue and character and godliness and brotherly, I mean, all those things. But there's sometimes it gets to the point where you still, we get discouraged. The other thing you've got to look to, and I mean, I always say it, I mean, you've got to look to the Word of God for hope. You know, find a scripture that you can hang your hat on. Romans 15, 13, Carol, is, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is hope. He is hope. I mean, Romans 15, 13, I mean, if you need hope, if you're discouraged, man, that is, a, that is a verse you can hang your hat on. You can take a hold of it and say, okay, God, you're all hope. Okay, so I'm going to trust in you, you know, even though I don't want to. It's a trust. It's just, it, it just comes down to I'm going to trust the tears going to hold me up. I'm going to trust that you're going to do good for me, God. And in that way, I will then overflow with hope for others. And it's, it is, it's a choice. It is so much of it is a choice. It's making that first initial step and stepping into the water and going from there. What are some other things that we, possibly, that we hope in that, aren't, that are broken cisterns? What are some things that you hope in that are broken cisterns? The economy. The economy. That's a huge one. We hope in our economy. Leaders. Leaders. Yeah, even godly and ungodly. I mean, either way. We trust in them to fix it. They all have feet of clay. Yeah. That even the ones that are, we think are the best example, they all have feet of clay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Family and friends. We have a lot of hope. Um, I'm going through a season right now, and there's, you know how I love 31 Days of Praise. is one of my favorite little books. And day 19, is, it says, Thank you for the friends who failed to meet my soul deep's needs. They've driven me to the Savior's feet upon his love to... to Upon his love to feed. And there's a second chorus that I, I mean, second stanza I can't remember. But that is so true. 
We do. We put so much hope in our friends, you know? I mean, and they, sometimes they, they can't, they don't have time. They disappoint us. They let us down. They don't have time for us at the same time that we need the time, you know. We're busy. They're busy. And there's no, you know, and it's such a, you know, I love it. Thank you for the friends who fail to meet my soul's deep needs. Because if they met my needs, then I went and turned to the Savior. The term for those. Definitely broken cisterns that aren't going to work. And aren't going to work. And we need to be mindful that people aren't looking to us, you know, to meet those needs. And that we're fulfilled. That's called enabling, you know, I mean, and meet those needs that are in there. Okay. So when, we look, when, we, when we're discouraged, we've got to look for hope and the salvation and the word of God and, and trust in that. Second thing is discomfort. 82 and 83. Discomfort. These are all Ds, by the way. I stretched one, but... Discomfort. Whom do you look for for comfort? That's an easy fill in the blank. 82 and 83. My eyes long for your promises. I ask, when will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in the smoke, yet I have not forgotten your statutes. What's the NIV say for that? Wineskin in the smoke. What does it say? Though I am like a wineskin in the smoke. In the smoke. The King James Version says like a bottle of wine. And... um, what that, I'm like, okay, I have a big question mark next to it. Okay, like, what in the world does that mean? I am like a wineskin in the smoke. And what it says is that, uh, and this is from uh, Matthew Henry, um, well, a wineskin is, uh, is a leather bottle, is what it is, which if hung by, uh, if hung any, let's see, which if hung in the smoke was not only blackened with soot, but it dried and parched and it was shriveled up. Mm. And so, yeah. Uh, in my... Right. So it's like smoke shrivels and yeah, dries. it shrivels and it dries you up and you're parched and you know who sometimes when we're persevering, or sometimes our outside countenance is affected and we feel like that and we are dried up and we're shriveled and we're parched and we're uncomfortable. This is uncomfortable. Persevering in this is not comfortable, and it's our outward um, perseverance. Um, but then what does what does David say in eighty three? Yet I. What is, what's your yet I? What are you going to do? Yet I have not forsaken your statutes. He still maintained his responsibility. He still did what he needed to do, even though it was uncomfortable. And that uncomfortableness might be whether it's um, having to... Um, who was I talking to this week that had to... Um, John Moore. I, he sold his company. And, you know, as they did the mergers with Compass Bank and all this stuff, they ended up... He had to lay some of his staff off, you know, as they went through the process after the merger, and, um, and he had to lay off this graphic designer, and she said, he said it was the hardest thing I, I could have done. It was, I mean, it was very uncomfortable, but he had to persevere in the path that he wanted to go and all that stuff. And he saw her last week, and it was about 18 months ago, and she said it was the greatest thing that ever happened to her because it, for, she's an artist, and she was, just, she was just relying totally upon this job to meet her needs, but when she got pushed out of the nest, so to speak, she started painting more, and... Now she can't keep up with the demands for her paints, her paintings. And um, we were sitting in the Starbucks at I-10 in Durham, and that, they were hanging in there, and that's what prompted him to tell me that story. So com- discomfort comes along, but that doesn't mean we need to run from it. You know, we need to face it head on, and some of us don't like to confront. Some of us don't like to um, keep our mouth shut, all those kind of things. I mean, both ways of those, and sometimes we need to press through and, and do that. 
Um, I thought this was uh, pretty accurate about sometimes where we turn for comfort. Proverbs 31.5. Let me turn to that real quick. Um, well, you think well, it's Proverbs 31 woman. Yeah, but it's not the first part. It's the first part of it, not the second part of it. Verse 5, least they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights. You know, so people drink just to forget. I mean, that's their, that's their comfort. That is their comfort. I mean, that, addictions fall right into this so easily. That's where you get comfort. I just want to dull the pain. I just want to forget for a season, you know, for a day, a week, a month, whatever it is, whatever that binge is. And you see it all the time. I mean, you, I mean, you know, Intervention is one of my TV shows that I love to watch and usually catch it online. And, and um, most of the people who are in addiction, I would probably say all, it's because they're deadening some pain that they had. There's some discomfort in their life. They're deadening the pain, whatever that might look like. And um, whether it's an abuse situation, whether it's their own guilt for something that they've done, they'll deaden the pain. What are some other things that we do for comfort, do you think? Eat. Eat. Amen. That is. Absolutely. Like we make it feel, it just feels better. We eat. Um, what else? What are some other things we do? No, that's, I call it, that was my, I eat sleep. and sleep. I eat and sleep. Those are my two drugs of choices. I'll just go to sleep. And um, people say, oh, I'm so stressed I can't sleep. I thought, mm, no, I've never been, I've never been like that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <coughs> All right. So discomfort. But what we've got to do is we, um, we've got to turn to the Lord for our comfort. And he's our source and he's our hope. And he will comfort us Sometimes. And that's to understand it still might be com- discomfortable, dis- uncomfortable, discomfortable. It will be uncomfortable. We still will have to press through that, but then we get to the other side and it's done. I mean, how many times do we have things that we just dread doing, dread doing, dread doing, dread doing? Uh, this week, perfect example. Carol can tell you, I, I probably even told Ellen, that I, in February I received an estimate on my car. My engine light came on. Ellen's shaking her head. And engine light came on, so I took it to the shop, and they said, $2,200, got to replace the catalytic converter. And I literally was in the process of talking to somebody about selling my car and trying to figure that out. And so I thought, and I don't have to get it fixed. I mean, you can, if you didn't have emission inspection, you never have to fix your catalytic converter. But we live in a city that has emission inspection. And so I have fretted over this repair on my car because I'm like, do I, do I do it? Is it worth it? You know, it's a 10-year-old car. What do I do? And, but it's a paid-for car, so it's kind of like, you know, that is, I wouldn't spend that much in payments in a year. So, um, anyways, I, um, I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And, um, but I wanted to go get kind of a second opinion, and I took it somewhere else this week. And he called, and he said, okay, well, if it is the catalytic converter, and to fix that is, you know, 605, and then um, we got to do this and this, and so it's going to be, you know, 695. And I said, $695? I mean, I was like, is there a comma I'm missing? Or is there, and um, he said, yeah, so $700. I have fretted about this and delayed even taking it anywhere else. But these, you know, God and his sovereignty connected me with these people through somebody else. And it's, I mean, praise the Lord. Someone said, now do you feel like you're, you know, $1,500 richer? I said, no, I'm just not $1,500 poor. I mean, <laughs> I didn't gain anything on that. I just am not as poor. And so, um, so sometimes, we, you know, we just avoid things and we fret and fret and fret. And so just go and do it. Just do the uncomfortable. And then we get on the other side of it. That's when the comfort is released. You know, and we have comfort at that point. I think sometimes, too, we try to find our comfort in other people. And, uh, you know, I have people that, 
they'll call me and they call you mm -hmm. and they call you and they call you, you know, trying to get what they're only going to get from God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. Uh, it's, it's pitiful. Yeah, it is. And I mean, and that is, um, I really see that, I mean, the only, I mean, there's not a, there's probably some psychiatric name, but it's those people that are so needy. And that's what, needy. I mean, I was that person 20 years ago. I mean, needy. Needing, I mean, just suck you dry, suck you dry, and um, and you just you really you know I have no mercy. I have more mercy than I used to. Carol's got a lot of mercy, so she listens to them. <laughs> they don't call me anymore, <laughs> or they don't even start to call me. They don't even start to call me, which is so bad because I'm. So, I mean, I go to my friends that in my neediness 18 years ago, you know, put up with my neediness and help me learn to get on the other side of that neediness and trust in the Lord. I'm like, gosh, thank you for putting up with my neediness. I probably wouldn't have put up with my neediness. You know, I would have fired me. So, anyways, number three. Number three, delayed retribution. You know, things happen, and we want vengeance. And God does not bring about vengeance quickly. So whom do you look to for revenge? Whom do you look to for revenge? Um, Psalm 84 says, how long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? I mean, he wants to get on it. And, um, but he knows that uh, vengeance is not ours. Romans 12, 9. Uh, says that the Lord is the one who's going to avenge. 12, 19. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And we will all be repaid, believers and non-believers. Um, Revelation 20, 11 and 12. All the way at the end. Revelation 20, 11 and 12. Then I saw the great white throne. And him who was, actually, let's go back to 10. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophets were, and they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead and the great and small standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had, what they had done. We don't like to talk about that. I mean, we are all mercy, love, and all that stuff, but that's the, called the great white throne judgment. And that is for those that are dead in Christ. Those are for the unbelievers. God took care of the devil, and then he's going to take care of these unbelievers, and they will be judged. And I don't know what that looks like. I mean, I don't know if that means that, you know... There's different levels in hell, which some people have said, and you know, but that's way beyond. I mean, that's that's a scary thing. Earth and sky fled away, and there was no place for them to hide. Man, I mean, just you know, that's the um, Amazing Grace. I don't know if it's in the like the original, but the one where the, my chains are gone, like Chris Tomlin said, is it says he forbade the sun to shine. I mean, that imagine that concept of this God that can say, "Stop shining." And the sun stopped shining. And that same God, when they stand before him, earth and sky was going to lead around from them. And that sure does motivate me to want to, my lost friends. I mean, I do say, Jesus, I wish you'd come back. But then I think about my lost friends, people that don't know Jesus. And I think, oh, you know, make, Lord, take me home. 
You know, <laughs> kill me. Kill me and then the persevere. But we are not without, um, we as believers are not without um, a judgment as well. For different things, not for, this is for rewards. And we've talked about this in here before, but 2 Corinthians, they just have to go hand in hand, you know. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11 says, um, So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. We like that. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. We will all stand before him, not for salvation. Once saved, always saved. I mean, we have, you know, nothing we could do to earn it, nothing we could do to lose it. But for him, we will be judged in the works of our body, for good or for evil. And that's why it's important for us to aim to please him. And so that makes decisions in whatever we do, whether we eat or drink, same book, same Corinthians, same thing, whether we eat or drink, may we all do it for the glory of God. I think it's 1 Corinthians 10 that says that. You know, we, we will be judged, just as for the unbelievers will be judged for salvation and eternal damnation and whatever that looks like. We're going to be judged in the same way for rewards. 1 Corinthians 3 then talks about the rewards that we will receive. That'd be like fire. So, um, we have to trust that the Lord will take care of that. And we're not the ones that need to do that. And sometimes I do. I look at that and say, okay, God, send forth your wrath. <laughs> you know, you get so mad. Psalm 35 is a psalm that David cries out for his enemies, and he says, you know, let my, let their, let my enemies' wives be widows and their children be orphans. I mean, he doesn't say kill them, but he pretty much says that mm-hmm. to them. Um, and we need to understand that delayed, in that delayed retribution, we need to not, not persevere to not push on, and that we need to not go seek it ourselves. You know, God's the one that's going to avenge. God's the one that's going to do that and bring that about. And so, lastly, lastly, number four is delayed assistance, or denied assistance, I'm sorry. Denied assistance. It's a pitfall that we can stumble. When we get in there, and, and I mean, I'm kind of walking through this a little bit, I want somebody to help me, you know, a person, a body to come along and help me with some things, and it's not happening. And so I just want to quit, you know. And, um, but I need to look to the Lord for help. Verse 86 says this, All your commandments are sure. They persecute me with falsehood. Help me. Cry out to him. Help me. And I think how we can do that, how we can really get help from the Lord, is number one, we've got to get wisdom from God. I don't think you have the blanks on that. You need wisdom from God. James 1.5 is, is a verse that we often look to, and um, it's great. And I'm going to read that, and then, but we're going to look at another one that I just discovered this morning when I was doing this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. I mean, how much simpler does it get? I mean, wisdom is available to us. All we have to do... Is asked for it. And I love this too. Proverbs 8.14. Proverbs 8.14 says, I have counsel, and this is the Lord speaking, I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. You need counsel. You need sound wisdom. You need strength. Turn to him. Turn to him, and, and he will provide that. Um, verse 13, the one right above it says, The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil, pride and arrogance in the way of evil, and the perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. 
By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles all who govern justly. So it's like, okay, Lord, I need to know how to reign. I need to know how to rule. I need to know how to govern justly. I need to know how I need strength. Ask him for it and he'll give it to you. And the wisdom from God. And that's, I mean, and this is it. Every scripture, I mean, every problem we have, there is a scripture to reference it. And I don't think you can pull out all contents. Whatever you need to know is available here. I'm going back to First Peter. Everything we need for life and godliness will help. Another thing that's important, too, is counsel from people. Counsel from God's people. You know, all these other ones I kind of feel like you need to be careful about turning to people for comfort or for hope um, um, or, or yourself for revenge. But this is really important. Proverbs 15.22 says this, Without counsel, plans fell, but with many advisors they succeed. I mean, having, going to counsel, going to someone and, and saying, you know, hey, I need some help on this. You know, we go to the Lord. He's given us some direction, some wisdom, but then we go to people and say, here. I mean, this is some thoughts, you know. It always cracked me up when people say, you know, Becky, I'd like your opinion on something. You know, you're going to get it anyways, whether you're, you know, whether you're asking for counsel or not, I'm going to give you my counsel, and I'm okay if you don't listen to it or, or, or do it, but I am going to give you the counsel. 2018 also says um, something very similar, Proverbs 2018. Plans are established by counsel. By wise guidance, wage war. And that's where I'm going to pick my battles. What battles am I on? Wise counsel, wage war. So it's like, okay, is this worth fighting over? And sometimes we need to go and talk to somebody, talk through it, and say, okay, is this something that, you know, whether it's a work situation, whether it's a relationship situation, you know, we parent, parenting, you know, I'm going to pick my battles. I'm not going to fight over how long his hair is, you know. I'm not going to fight over that. But I am going to fight over, you know, brushing his teeth or whatever the, the, the challenge might be. We want to do that. So we need wisdom from God. We need counsel from God's people, and we can turn that for help. And then sometimes the very best thing we can do to get help is just to wait, just to not do anything and wait. Wait upon the Lord. And that is um, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. It's just to wait, to not do anything. And let me just read, these are all, I've got all the Psalms listed for you, but I thought I'd just read them to you. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They, will, they shall be ashamed who wantonly transgress. You will not be put to shame. If we wait upon the Lord, we're not going to be put to shame. I mean, how many times have I been shamed because I've just run into and done something too fast? Psalm 25, 21 says, My integ- May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for, for, I wait for you. Integrity and uprightness will preserve us. You know, um, I meant to look it up, and I forget to look it up. It's in Proverbs, and it says, um, even a fool appears wise if he keeps his mouth shut. You know? And it's like we can guard our name by just keeping our mouth shut half the time. Psalm 34, 31, 24, be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. We'll be strong. We'll take courage as we wait for the Lord. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not over yourself, over the fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his ways, over the man who carries out evil devices. Don't even fret about it. Don't even worry about that. Wait upon the Lord and wait patiently for him and be still. And I um, I did a kind of blog, I did a Facebook sabbatical for about a week and um, and that's really, I mean, this verse really spoke to me in the midst of all that. And it wasn't that, I don't even think I was, it wasn't so much I was spending hours at a time and playing silly games on Facebook or whatever, but I would just, I'm at a restaurant about to have dinner by myself, and I pull out the phone, and I'll go read people's status updates. You know, I'm stopped at a stoplight. 
Or I'm, you know, I'm getting on the elevator to go downstairs, and I'm pulling out and reading people's status updates. And the Lord just really said, look, Beck, just be still. Just sit. You know, just sit. And don't do anything. And watch people and just, you know, clear your mind in some ways instead of filling it with a lot of banality, you know, triteness. Um, Psalm 37, 9, for the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. 34, 30, 37, 34, wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land, and you will look on when the wicked are cut off. That's encouraging. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. 38, 15, but for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. He's the only one that's going to answer us. He's the only one that's going to have the answer for us. Psalm 52, 9, I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name, for it is good in the presence of the godly. That goes back to companionship. Psalm 62, they're having fun over there. Psalm 62, 5, finally. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. That's where our hope is. And we do, sometimes we just need to wait. And that is sometimes, I don't know about for you girls, but for me that is sometimes the hardest thing to do is just wait. Because I want to go fix it. I want to manage it. I want to make it right. And a lot of it is just, just stop. Just wait. I'm, gonna, I'm doing something. I'm doing something. And um, then I'll reveal you myself in the midst of all that. You know, what I've asked you to do for the aim, and it was a challenge for me to really think about this, but I, it was what the Lord told me to do, and so I think it's what I'm going to ask you guys to do too, is just consider an area in your life where you really need to persevere and ask God if any of these pitfalls or something else has come along the way to keep you from persevering. Is there something you need to pick back up? Is there something you need to do? Is there something you need to press on? You know, mine is absolutely writing my book. I mean, I feel the Lord called me to write a book, and, you know, if somebody's not doing it for me, nobody's come along to help me do it, and, you know, which is not true. I have a lot of people that will help me, but it just feels that way because I have to write it myself, and I have to do it by myself. And um, so that is my, um, that's my issue for sure. And so One of our first-place leaders, Martha Rogers, oh, yeah. has written for years and years and years and gotten rejection after rejection. And last year, she got a contract for four uh, Christian uh, novels. And then last week, she got a contract for another series of five. And she's writing so much, it's making her crazy. Yeah. With novels, you have to think up the storyline, you know? Right, right. And, uh, and it is just the funniest thing because I probably wouldn't have taken the second rejection. Right. I'd have said, you know, well, it's not meant for me to write. Right, exactly. You know, but right. she had such a passion to do that. And now she's 74 years old and writing <laughs> like this. Yeah. Nine books in two years. Yeah. No. I just, I will confess, I will probably not persevere if it's 74 years old. I mean, I, I probably will not. I mean, I that is, Well, you don't have it's a, passion. a burning passion exactly. to write. You yeah. know, people that do, and I don't even understand this, but they do. They, they write because they have to write. Yeah, they have to write. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not there yet. <laughs> no, I'm not there yet. Me neither. It's probably not perseverance <laughs> for her. It's probably not enduring. She just mm -hmm. keeps, yeah, exactly. So, anyways. Anything else about persevering or any other comments before we close? Well, one thing that, that I do, uh, you know, when I, I feel like I'm denied assistance is I pray that God will change that person's heart. Mm -hmm. Because, um, you know, while we're waiting, we need to continually pray, mm -hmm. you know, that God will change our enemy's heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. 
or get favor with whoever can help us or direction right. and that kind right. of thing. Absolutely. Right. Well, good. Well, let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you that um, everything we need for life and godliness is available to us. And whether we need wisdom, whether we need strength, whether we need hope, whether we need comfort, vengeance, Lord, is going to be yours. And, Lord, we know that in the process of, um, of getting the help and walking through those, those needs that we have to avoid those pitfalls of perseverance, Father, that um, you reveal yourself in the midst of all those kind of things. And so, Lord, I pray that we would persevere, that we would finish well, that we would um, finish well today so we can finish well at the end of the week and at the end of the month and at the end of the year and at the end of our life, Father. Lord, as these ladies in here think of things that they are faced with difficulties, challenges, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, um, spiritual, Father, that you would reveal yourself and that you will help them um, to do what you would have them to do next. And we know you'll be faithful in doing that. We're grateful for who you are, and we just pray for the service coming up, Father and Lord. Would you speak to our hearts, and then we hear a word from you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.